Welcome to this pulmonary rehabilitation assembly podcast where Dr. Alpa Patel and I will be discussing the application of pulmonary rehabilitation in children with chronic respiratory diseases. My name is Andres Herrera Camino and I am a member of the ATS Pulmonary Rehabilitation Web Committee. I am also an assistant professor and clinical scholar in the Department of Child Health at the University of Arizona College of Medicine in Phoenix and a faculty member in the divisions of Pediatric Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine at Phoenix Children's Hospital. My guest today is Dr. Apa Patel, and she's the director of the Pediatric Cardiopulmonary Rehabilitation Program at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. She's also an associate professor of pediatrics at the Ohio State University College of Medicine and the director of the Adult Cystic Fibrosis Center. Welcome, Dr. Patel, and thank you for joining me today. I would like to ask you to give us a brief overview of the history, mission, and vision, and goals of the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Program at Nationwide Children's Hospital? Yeah, so interesting. This program actually was considered, or the concept was developed by one of our pediatric pulmonologists who was here, Dr. Sheehan, in 2004, and he started this pilot project with one patient. Uh, and at that time, at the same time, he actually ended up leaving Nationwide Children's Hospital and kind of felt like I was the perfect next person to take that step. And so in 2005, we worked with the hospital finances and came up with the budget and officially started the pulmonary uh, outpatient pulmonary program, uh, rehab program. And uh, we got few candidates at the time. Uh, and, uh, and then by 20, 2008, Eight or so, we actually added the cardiac piece of it. So by end of 2008, we had a combined cardiopulmonary rehabilita- uh, rehabilitation program at uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital, and we just kept kept growing each year. Um, and then about a couple of years ago, we actually remodeled, redesigned that whole rehab unit because originally we were just taking a couple of rooms from our pulmonary diagnostic center. So we literally had bored one or two rooms to start this process. And as we kept growing, we realized we needed more uh, rooms and we had the capability of um, doing four or five individual patients at a time. This is an individual-based program. It's not a group program. Uh, and therefore, we had to have each room used for a patient. So we remodeled and redesigned that whole area and pretty much took it over uh, and had diagnostic pulmonary, you know, go somewhere else and uh, started, um, you know, seeing four or five patients at a time. Thank you for that. A great description of the program. Uh, Next, do you think you could tell us more about, like, what are the main target population for the outpatient rehabilitation program? So basically, any patient that needs to regain knowledge, regain strength. So this could be somebody who's going through an acute illness. This could be somebody who has a chronic illness and has deterioration in their level of functioning. Um, It could be physical strength, endurance. Uh, They may have new uh, development of uh, hypoxia, needing new oxygen with exercise and needing to recondition, reshape. So our program is pretty much open to anybody who a clinician feels like there's a change in their strength, stamina, the level of functioning in life, and that some form of exercise program could help them regain what they've lost. 
Now I know that most data support the application of pulmonary rehabilitation in adults and children with obstructive lung disease. Do children with restrictive lung disease also benefit from this approach? Yeah, so we don't specifically uh, take only certain diagnoses, right? We will take any diagnosis. It could be somebody who may have suffered um, restrictive lung disease from uh, an acute infection and then they had complications, whatever. The, the, the main goal is any patient with any diagnosis who has suffered or changed in their endurance, we are happy to work, right? Sometimes it's not just about the restrictive lungs itself. It's about muscle strength in other parts of the body. It could be psychological piece of it. You know, somebody has a, a illness that they didn't have before, and now they've got this uh, diagnosis, a new illness that they have to cope with and live with. How are they going to adapt to that? So the cardiopulmonary rehab program is not just training them to be stronger, uh, but it's also adaptation to a change in their life levels, functioning, lifestyle. We can help them cope with their new diagnosis, help them cope with their uh, limitation. But I think the other thing is also encouraging them. There's that hope, there's loss of hope, and there's this um, lack of confidence that people develop, right, and then they are having acute illness and their uh, health condition goes down. So the part of the cardiopulmonary rehab program is to give them physical, mental, emotional training, rehabbing, and support along that short journey and making them better fit for this new adventure they're going to have with an illness, you know, in their life. So do you typically see an improvement in their quality of life and respiratory symptoms all across the different patient populations that you see? Yes, we actually do. And it's and that's what keeps this program going, and that's what keeps this program uh, growing. So it's not only just continuing, but it's also growing. We keep getting more and more patients, and patients are so happy that they're able to do the activities they weren't able to do. We've had families that will drive an hour away because they've got other comorbidities and other complications that a lot of the local programs don't feel comfortable because they're fragile, ill patients. But the families, patients are very, very pleased that we're able to help those kids and even young adults with pediatric illnesses, uh, getting them to be more functional. Even just simple thing is that being able to help in the household, that is such a huge emotional and physical benefit that not only the patients, but the families experience too. Uh, we, you know, we may not be able to get their oxygen percent down from two liters to one liter necessarily, but the point is we get them to be more endure, like the endurance improves. Their, their shortness of breath uh, scores are down. Um, because we, we use these uh, questionnaires, we use the quality of life questionnaires, the GAT7, uh, the shortness of breath questionnaires, and we've seen uh, clear improvement at the end of a six-week program. And how do you assess the eligibility for the intervention? Do you have a set of medical and psychological criteria that patients have to meet to enter the program? So uh, that's actually an excellent question. So we don't limit anybody from referring a patient or sending the patient our way. If a clinician or anybody out there says, hey, this patient may have some sense of benefit from rehab, we encourage providers to put the referral in. We actually will 
go, our team is awesome. I have two rehab coordinators that actually look into the patient's insurance, make sure that the patient will meet criteria for, at least from an insurance perspective, because we absolutely do not want patients with a long medical bill, right? We don't want to provide services and they're not covered. So we upfront will take that referral, we'll look at the patient's chart, we'll look at their insurance benefits, we'll see what diagnosis they have and could any of those diagnoses be eligible to be covered for pulmonary rehab program. And then we will invite the patient for their first initial eval. And so we do questionnaires, we do GAT7, we do, the, you know, we look for anxiety, depression, we look at their shortness of breath scale, we look at their six-minute walk test, we do shuttle tests. So we do the initial evaluation. And then, based on that evaluation, we actually customize. So this is individually tailored program based on the patient's needs. We put a program together based on those patients' needs, their requests, what they want to, what they want to achieve in the program, their ability to transport and come to the program, flexibility in their schedule, and the services needed. Uh, and, you know, and at the end of the program, we also give them an exercise for home use that is tailored to what they have achieved so far. And is the program only available for children with severe lung disease or patients with mild disease could also potentially benefit from this approach? Uh, both are good candidates. Again, somebody who's got a mild illness, uh, who, you know, completely healthy individual. Since the program is at the pediatric hospital, of course, these are patients cared for at the children's hospital. But they also could be a 35-year-old, right? So just that by age, they may be adult, but they have a childhood or pediatric illness with an ongoing care that's needed through the pediatric program. They are still eligible to come here. And it could be acute. It could be a young a healthy individual who is very physically fit but suffers through an acute illness of any kind and has, uh, even it could be mild, but that mild level decline could create a lot of emotional instability and anxiety and fear and lack of confidence, right? So that hope is gone. They feel like they're not going to regain that strength. So we, we come in giving them that opportunity and walk with them one step at a time to say, hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a way to get you conditioned to rehab you way up, uh, but it takes time. And so working with them and from that dynamic. So, yeah, any patient, mild to severe, chronic, acute to chronic, are good candidates. And what are some of the health resources that are available for the eligible patients, meaning diagnostic procedures, specific multidisciplinary medical care, educational interventions, et cetera? So, again, I think it all boils down back to what insurance will cover, but we have wide ability. You know, we have physical therapy. We have a cardiac physical therapist, uh, occupational therapy, the therapeutic recreation, massage therapy, nutrition. If a student even needs a school teacher, we can make those accommodations available. Uh, nutrition, if a, if a patient has a greater nutritional needs, we do that. We can also tap into psychiatry and psychology. So, again, the core team is there, but then it's beyond the core discipline if a patient has an additional need. For example, not every patient that comes to rehab is going to need a school teacher. But 
is coming to the rehab program and because of their illness, they fell behind and we needed to help them tap into a school teacher to work around that rehab schedule, we absolutely will work with them to do that. So the program is individualized to the needs of each patient. Absolutely. That's, I think that's what makes this program very unique, that it is individualized. Yes, we have our core mission, we have our core plan, but it is custom tailored to individual patients' needs. Um, it is, the, again, like I said, it's not a group program, it's one-on-one, and that's, patients have appreciated that, right, because they're not feeling intimidated or there's lack, they don't feel insecure, somebody else watching them, because it's the patient and the therapist, patient and whoever the discipline is working with them at that time. What do you think are the main challenges in providing rehabilitation therapies to children and adolescents? Do you find that the application of pulmonary rehabilitation to children, for example, of different developmental stages could influence compliance uh, and the way you actually deliver the therapies to them? So, we are, you know, being working at Children's Hospital, you definitely have individuals that will have some limitations, whether it may be learning disability or limitations or physical or mental. So we work around that. We have rehab patients as young as three years of age. Our requirement is that they should be able to be potty trained and be able to understand some level of communication. So they have to be able to follow commands. So if I, a patient doesn't have to be necessarily be verbal, but they should be able to follow the command or the instructions that the therapist is providing. As long as they can do that, we definitely can work with them. Uh, so, so that used to be the limitation, but actually that it becomes actually not so because, like I said, that's what drives patients towards us because we have the skills and the ability to work with um, patients with limitations. Uh, and then in terms of the, uh, the biggest challenge, which is interesting, COVID has actually made it less of a challenge, is transportation. So, you know, we serve six different counties around us, and, you know, being in the center uh, in Ohio, we have surrounding counties that we service, and some patients live two, 300 miles before they can come here, and so they cannot participate in the rehab program on main campus. And so what we've started doing now is actually blending telehealth visits with physical therapy and nutrition, whatever needs. Actually, it's coming out really uh, cool. This is something I wanted to do for a long time, which I would have called it like a stage three or level three rehab. But again, you know, with the before COVID, insurance didn't really pay for telehealth, at least not in Ohio. That's just not a thing in pediatric care. And so we would do the initial intake live in-person assessment, and we would do the end of the uh, rehab program assessment in person. So now in, ter- in the intermediate, we will blend it. So we may have patients come one session a week in person, and the other sessions could be telehealth. And so we're, we're being creative in, in uh, getting these patient services based on what they can afford in terms of uh, schedule uh, and coming. You know, the other thing is summers tends to be very busy for us because kids are out of school, so they don't have to worry about missing school. Uh, we tend to love, patients tend to love our late afternoon sessions, but there's only so many slots. 
Um, a lot of the chronic ill patients, especially like the patients with advanced lung disease, like cystic fibrosis, did not want to come at 8 o'clock session because the mornings are tough for them waking up and they have to do their chest therapies. So so those were some of the hurdles, but we kind of worked around. We would modify a little bit here and there. And what is the compliance rate of the participants in the program? Do you see a high or a low compliance rate in individuals that get enrolled in the program? So it's definitely high. I cannot say it's 100%. We definitely have some drop-offs. Um, we do have a protocol and we follow a guideline. So we allow patients three chances. Uh, so, you know, we give them the guidelines. We upfront tell them what the expectation of the program is. You know, what are we trying to achieve for that individual patient? We upfront ask them what their hurdles and challenges are, which helps us create that customized program, right? And then, despite that, if they're missing a session, you know, we say, okay, you know, we have up to three times. After the third, no shows, cancellation, no legit reason, we unfortunately have to drop them out of the program because we have a waiting list. We want other patients to get in. So um, so that's basically a rule, but most of the patients will slide through. If anything, I have patients who request to come back to the program uh, after if they had another admission, they want to come back. A lot of patients come back once or every two years just to kind of get the program going and get feeling the goodness of it. What is the usual duration of the program? Typical program is six weeks long. We can stretch it out to eight weeks. Again, the eight-week limitation is because most of the patients are have already gotten the goals that were set for them. Then people, you know, get tired. You kind of cannot do the same thing two, three times a week. They have to get back to work. They have to get back to school. And they get the gain. Once you achieve certain level of gain, that motivation starts going down, and they don't need that. You know, so what we do is we give them that home exercise program to hopefully they continue and then that we are available by phone or to be reconnect at some point. And what is the typical duration for that home or community-based program? Yeah, unlimited if patients keep it. So I do know if you look at literature uh, data in the past, cardiopulmonary rehab benefit is sustainable if a patient continues the home program up to nine months. But the key thing is they have to continue that regimen. And we all know human nature, there's so many things in life people don't stick with that program. If they stick with that program and they're able to maintain that, they will continue to appreciate the benefit of it. Um, there are a lot of communities in small town where we will give them medical record, uh, a note saying that they have a chronic illness and their local gyms will give them a discounted rate. And then they can tap into that as often as they possibly can. Um, but I do encourage patients that, hey, if we have worked with you, we have designed a program, you've seen how you've improved, you know, from where, where you started, where you have ended at the end of six to eight week program, and these are the going forward goals. If you can maintain that, you're going to sustain some um, gain. The thing is, they're not able to, most of them will come back and say they will continue for the first few weeks, but they're not staying with the same regimen. They definitely will try to stay more active. It's just 
So we still have some gain. It's just that they won't maintain the intensity that we have started off with. And is it easy for patients and their families to find resources for their pulmonary rehabilitation-specific needs out in the community? Do you guys facilitate this? Yes, we actually do. We So let's say in the past, before COVID, if I had a patient that lived 150 miles, I cannot have them come here. So what we did, a good 40% of our referrals or actually had to be re-referred out to the local community. But we did all the legwork. We did the insurance approval, and my coordinators actually would reach out to the closest regional rehab program, uh, physical therapy program, get them connected, get the referral forwarded to them. The only thing that the patient has to do at the end of all that is to pick up the phone and schedule that first visit. Everything else is done by us. But, but again, and sometimes we will actually remind the patients that we, we'll actually follow up. A month later, we'll follow up to see, did the patient get final connection going? If the patient still had not, we will make that extra effort to reach out to the patient and say, hey, they're waiting for your phone call to schedule that first appointment. I cannot pick your schedule because it's your life. You've got to help us pick that schedule, and we try to redirect them a couple of times. That's a great opportunity that patients have. So in your opinion, is the longer duration of the program associated with better outcomes or patients complete the six to eight-week program do exactly the same as those that actually require a longer therapy? So this is an outpatient program, right? So what we have seen is after six to eight weeks, uh, I don't think that the program has an additional benefit because we've already achieved their education level. They've gotten what they needed. They've seen an improvement. You lose motivation, and the minute you lose motivation, you lose some of that gain. So at six-week period, if the patient finds that they still want that additional benefit, and they still and then the physical therapist and the multidisciplinary team determines that hey the patient's making great progress. I still think that the patient has room for improvement, and the insurance is still giving me the coverage, and I still have covered sessions. We extend that program. So yes, on case by case basis, we have extended the program. I think I had one patient that extended the program up to ten weeks. So our team is very, very good in doing the initial eval. We do a mid-session eval, so by three weeks, end of the three weeks, we do another eval, three to four weeks, and then at the end of six to seven weeks, we'll do another eval. And we have our every biweekly meetings, multidisciplinary team meetings, and we sit down and we discuss each individual patient to see what the hurdles, what gain, what lack of gain we got, what needs to change, and which patient would have a greater benefit in extending the program. And if they do and the family is agreeable to it and insurance covers it, then we go a little longer. And what are some of the metrics or outcome variables that you use to measure the short and long-term efficacy of the pulmonary rehabilitation strategy? I know that you mentioned quality of life uh, questionnaires. Are there any other parameters that you use to evaluate the efficacy of the intervention? Yes. So we use a six-minute walk test. We use shuttle test. So all patients will get that in the beginning at the end. Uh, 
We do the Promise uh, questionnaire. We do GAT7, PHQ9. We also do the San Diego Shortness of Breath questionnaire. Uh, we will do satisfaction score. Uh, so initially, what are their limitations? What do they want to achieve in activity level? And then we'll do at the end to see what they felt was a gain or loss or how much benefit they got and how they reviewed the program as a whole. So that is something internally we do that's, you know, that we collect data on. And based on that data, we see tremendous uh, positivity response, actually greater than 95% satisfaction score. Does that persist over the course of the months or years in these patients? Or it only you only see the improvement during the duration of the uh, rehabilitation so we, program? Yeah, so we don't we don't go back to these patients on a six months or an annual basis to go back and see how they're responding. So once they're discharged from the rehab program, they go back to their uh, individual providers. And and so at the, any point in the game when the providers or the patient feel like they want to tap back for advice or um, suggestions, they're more than happy to come back. But we don't officially reevaluate them to see where they are. I think that is more like a level three rehab, which would be my future goal right now, but not yet, uh, to look at these patients at six months, three months, six months, and nine months and a year. Um, but at this point, we're not doing that. But in your opinion, is the pulmonary rehabilitation approach cost-effective compared to the usual caring patients with chronic lung diseases that don't receive this therapy? I absolutely do see a benefit. So I... I don't have published data, but I can tell you from, you know, having, what, almost 15 years of uh, growing with this program that I have seen my our specific patient population with asthma and cystic fibrosis patients that we've taken care of, how we have actually decreased, decreased the frequency of admissions and their um, CF exacerbation. Their, uh, their endurance has changed. Now, again, I don't know if it's because – I think it's multifactorial because we're also seeing them more rigorously. I am educating them again. I'm reemphasizing their compliance to therapies. Do these improvements in respiratory symptoms, quality of life, do they usually translate into improved pulmonary function test findings, scores, or chest imaging studies, or they uh, don't necessarily have an association? I mean, that's a great question. It's a question I've been asking for years. So, yeah, so, so pulmonary rehab program does not change FEV1 or does not change pulmonary function test per se, right? But it definitely changes your endurance. Um, we don't do images. I don't follow that. Like we don't do any radiological images, CTs, or chest X-rays uh, per se in rehab. But I know for sure that pulmonary PFTs, FEV1 does not change. And I always make sure I tell my patients up front that, that the goal of the cardiopulmonary rehab program is not to increase FEV1, right? That's a whole different measurement. That's a whole different level. But the goal is to increase 
and improve your endurance, the distance that you can walk with less shortness of breath. Right? So I think that, and that itself speaks a lot. Am I able to, uh, you know, walk in my kitchen? Am I able to, uh, do laundry? Am I able to carry that laundry basket, uh, you know, from the laundry room to my bedroom on the same floor? So those are the features. Those are the things that we measure. And so FEV1 may stay the same, uh, but at the same time, I'm able to make you travel. So that six uh, minute walk test, I think it's a huge um, measure that patients gravitate towards and are pleased the distance traveled with less shortness of breath. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important measure, the quality of life and the improvement in the respiratory symptoms. Uh, yes. Perfect. So what are some of the future directions and potential areas of research in the area of pediatric pulmonary rehabilitation? Well, I think you just um, answered that question from in, with the last question. I think it would be really, really interesting to look at the long-term data, right? I think you had an excellent question. Like, hey, we see the benefit at the end of six to eight weeks and maybe, you know, two, three months when we see them back in the clinic. Like, when I see my own patients coming back, I appreciate the uh, difference, and they do. But can we do – can we measure and can we monitor them longer? It would be nice to reevaluate them, maybe with a six-minute walk test, uh, at the, you know, three-month, six-month, nine-month, and 12-month period. Give it, But there are so many other factors that play a role, right? What if they get sick again? You know, are they ill? Or do we affect the amount of flare-ups? That would be interesting. Like, how many asthma and CF exacerbations do we are we able to reduce? Do you see room to expand this program and include patients that, for example, recover from critical illness or ECMO survivors for severe respiratory illness to provide inpatient services as well? Yes. So we do that. We actually will take individual patients. We have a patient who actually is... Uh, Right, post ECMO. If the patient is really severe and they may need to, from ECMO, they may need to initially go to the inpatient uh, rehabilitation, but there's also a need for an outpatient rehab, we can transition that patient from that inpatient rehab to our outpatient rehab program. You know, we, they can stay at the Ronald McDonald House and do it. So actually, we had a couple of years ago, we had an ICU patient that was too good for inpatient but too weak to be home alone. So actually, the outpatient rehab program was the perfect situation and a solution for them. So they stayed at the Ronald McDonald House. We rehabbed them and got them to a level where they could comfortably and safely go home. Great. Yeah, I think this is an amazing approach and opportunity for uh, the patients that you actually serve. Uh, I think this is a model that should probably be uh, reflected in other places as this area continues to uh, evolve. Uh, do you have any final words for our audience? No, I, uh, I think this is a great program. Of course, I'm very blessed. I am at Nationwide Children's. I have the support of my leaders, uh, administrators who have, you know, have helped me along the way. It does require a lot of uh, support from your team leaders. 
your administrators, people have to have the vision. It's definitely not a money-generating project in the first five, six years. Um, you know, we did not see much revenue coming. Again, it's a pediatric hospital. You know, we do – our mission is to serve patients no matter what, uh, inspire wellness, physical, mental, whatever it needs to serve our community. And that's what Nationwide Children's Mission has been, and that's been our mission is the same. Great. Yeah, I think it's it's a great opportunity for us to learn more about that, and hopefully in the future more hospitals will – develop programs like this uh, that facilitate the improvement in quality of life of patients with a number of chronic uh, illnesses. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for giving us this important overview of the role of pulmonary rehabilitation in children with chronic respiratory diseases and for allowing us to learn more about this exciting and evolving field. On behalf of the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly Web Committee, I would like to thank you, Dr. Patel, for your time and expertise and please extend my thanks to all the wonderful members of the Pediatric Cardiopulmonary Rehabilitation Program at Nationwide Children's Hospital.